Hello and welcome to Carefully Taught, teaching musical theater with Maddie and Kika. A podcast to discuss musical theater pedagogy and to create a community of sharing amongst musical theater educators. Feel free to email us at carefullytaughtpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at carefullytaughtpodcast. Well, this is the beginning of semester two. Kikau, can you believe it? I cannot. I mean, <laughs> I feel like semester one was such an accomplishment. And my thought was, wow, we get to do more of this. <laughs> I will say that while I saw you a little bit over the break uh, virtually, uh, I, I missed our time together. And I, I'm very much looking forward to getting back into the regular routine of, uh, of recording. Um, has school started yet for you? No, we, uh, well, by the time this podcast is released, we will have been in our first week. Yeah, same, same. And um, I got to say, I'm already spent. <laughs> it's just starting and I'm already burnt out. I don't know what is going on, but it is just a little bonkers. It's a lot. And I think we have to, you know, acknowledge that. Like, there's, there is there is something to the amount of work that just goes into the the planning the thoughts the the uh the upcoming season the rehearsals the um any number of things that come up and on top of it you know potential uh, just more administrative things the new hires the it just feels like there's so much going on always well and yeah and then on top of all of that the ever changing situation with omicron and um, t- so, so let's, let's, let's catch up. Uh, so w- your semester break, did, did you, I know the answer to this question, but uh, it's a leading one. It's a, a very skilled stylistic <laughs> podcast te- technique that I'm using. Um, did you happen to do anything interesting over the break, oh, Kiko? Oh, you know, nothing at all. Um, <laughs> that's me just pretending to be humorous, but really fully, uh, you know, engulfed in leading our Musical Theatre Educators Alliance yearly conference. Um, yeah. This took place in the beginning of January, the really the first week. I don't even have a calendar in front of me. Oh, yeah, so it was like the first week of, of January. Feels like a lifetime ago. It does. Um, we were physically in New York, um, specifically at the Open Jar Studios. And when I say we, it was a small team um, of educators and um, others that that put together the actual conference, which was streamed um, for people to right. enjoy. And it was one of these complicated things, even in planning, where we initially thought that at least a large portion of it would be a little bit more in person. And we were just watching the news and, and keeping an eye on, on how things were going and decided to make it as virtual as possible. And um, and even with that, that just came with its own complications. But I think it went pretty well, don't you think? Oh, it was tremendous. And and yeah, with regards to the, the ever-changing plans, uh, you know, which we were just referencing with regards to school, um, I was, as you know, supposed to go to New York. I was going to be there. I was going to stream my State of the Union uh, address from, you know, at the beginning of the conference. Uh, but uh, I ended up doing it from Chico. I did the whole thing from Chico. And from from afar, even from the opposite coast, I will say that 
it was, I thought it was an incredible success. And the lineup that you and the team had put together, as, as I've told you already, was amazing. I mean, Pul- Pulitzer Prize winners, Broadway legends, uh, Broadway playwrights, uh, I mean, Tony winners. It was just like, and then, of course, this is not a Musical Theater Educators Alliance podcast, but it is something that you and I share a, a, an affection for, the, the great community of musical theater educators uh, with that organization that did presentations. I, I thought it was it was great. I did miss being in person. Of course. You know, par- part of what I love about MTEA and that annual conference is the sense of community that, uh, that we get from it. And we got some of that from the virtual experience, but it's just not the same as the high fives and handshakes uh, that we share uh, and hugs, of course, when, when we're all together in person. But so when you were in New York, though, it wasn't just about the conference. You brought you brought Derek. Mm-hmm. You 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 saw some shows. Yep. Tell us about tell tell the listeners about what you saw because I'm envious. Yeah. So I um Derek did come along, my husband, and um, we also brought our dog. We we t- tend to travel with Bogness, um, and so I, I only say this to say like we were running around a little bit because we were by day you know streaming this high impact high quality conference and then running back to the hotel to walk the dog and then running to whatever show we were we were attempting to see um so the first of which was uh harry potter the play so mm-hmm. i i tend and you had not seen that i had not seen it at all and i just will say this like i absolutely recommend this for all as a as a reminder of what theatrical magic is and what it could be um it of course won the the its tonys during its you know the year that it was uh released and and now has been um shifted from two separate productions that take place over a period of a day or two days into one piece of theater so it is a little different a little bit more um uh palatable for for a a one show experience uh but yeah had you have you not seen the show no i did i saw it two years ago it, it, it's actually in january two years ago as a matter of fact mm-hmm. um because it was right after the mtea conference the last time we were in person in san diego jamie and i came home dropped the kids off with grammy and then went to san francisco for a couple of days where we saw the san francisco production and it was still the the two-night event um and yeah, like you said, it, it, it is a magical experience, and, and I'm not even, you know, no pun intended, it, it, it's a magical experience, and obviously there's onstage magic and a story about magic, and, and the, the interesting thing about it, as I've since researched it a little bit, uh, most of the magic that they use are like old vaudeville tricks and stuff. It's not high-tech uh, you know, really expensive magic tricks. It's 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 old fashioned vaudeville style magic, like Houdini was doing and whatnot. And it really is a fun experience. I one of the things that was fun. I, I'm sure you experienced this too. Is when I, when I was there, all the kids that were in the theater, you know, in their Hogwarts robes and and enjoying the show. Um, I. I, I think it's very cool, and it's it's got a lot of musical elements. I mean, you know, there's it was nominated for best choreography, I think, when it was a, a originally on Broadway. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that it was nominated for best Tony, uh, the Tony for best choreography, because of the amount of movement that takes place in the show. It's another super one, cool. way. Yeah, it's it magical. Is super cool. 
Um, other shows that we saw were um, uh, the f- in, it was its final week of Carolina Change, which was mm. really incredible, and um, oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. What is you saw? You saw Company? Oh, and Company. Jeez, I was because I said I said them out of order, and so I just was like, oh, and this one, this one, this one. Yeah, Company we saw on the on night two, and uh, mm-hmm. the incomparable Patty Lupone. Stop yep. it! She is amazing as well as really truly the rest of that cast the concept everything about it was really great so i have questions about both of those shows so i saw the original broadway production of carolina change has much changed with with regards to the script is it is it entirely intact uh uh, is the concept different like how how uh how has the production shifted since its original production? Yeah, so this is interesting. I've only heard the soundtrack. I did not see the original, um, but it feels like everything was intact. Um, somehow made a bit more meaningful with the the storyline regarding the the taking down of the monuments. Mm. Like, or there's a not even a storyline, but there's a, a sentence or two sort of regarding that specific. Um, idea mm-hmm. um so yeah just it feels somehow more right and relevant now than it maybe did when it first was released um interesting i do think after seeing those two and knowing that the music man is right around the corner it this is going to be a year of revivals that i don't know we've seen in a while it's like i you know I don't know where those awards are going to go because um, everything about Carolina change said, give me all the awards, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then company, uh, I know the concept is different. I know there's a female identifying Bobby. What has shifted and changed with this particular production besides that? And, and how did having a, a female identifying Bobby, um, change the story or affect the experience of watching it yeah i think um it 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 somehow made the whole experience feel very fresh like you think you know these songs and then you hear them in unexpected voices um um you know the the sex of bobby has maybe shifted which has has altered um, the sex of the three, you know, suitors um, or, or individuals that she dates, and then also affected the the I believe it's like the Amy track or the song that sings um, the very fast song about yeah not getting married. married yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, today I'm just going through it today um, so it just yes the the sex of those characters shifted as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just, as you're watching it, you're like, I know all of these songs, like beginning to end. And somehow this just feels like I don't know any of them. I'm, I'm experiencing mm-hmm. them in a, in a specific, fresh way as this show is unfolding. Um, so there is something to, um, yeah, right. How like how live it feels. It feels so mm-hmm. alive um, that you're watching a show that is going to possibly quite possibly look completely different tomorrow not that mm-hmm. there's a different cast but that there's a different there's just something about it that is it's the direction is so impactful and so thought through um but the script is is pretty much kept intact like they did not mm. make 
too many shifts. So what feels like it could have been a dated piece actually feels so right now. Um, and then there's those moments that maybe in the past or in the original version felt um, ironic, but now feel sentimental or that felt huh. sentimental and sweet at the time. But now when they're set in our modern uh, in you know 2022 it's like oh that's one of those things that mm-hmm. is kind of a silly or or ironic statement so you 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 had that great trip to new york the conference and and j- this next question is going to c- take us away from that but it's connective at the same time because you also you had your trip to dc and you saw um the pulitzer prize winning play a musical Strange Loop, mm-hmm. right, and then got to interview the creator of that at MTEA. How, how so cool is that? Amazing. I really want to hear about Strange Loop. It's been, I have the script literally right here on my desk. I've been meaning to read it, have been so busy with changing my lesson plans from week to week because of, you know, COVID and whatnot. I haven't had a chance to read it. What was that like? Isn't that so, I mean, I just want to acknowledge the fact that, that the plan changing, right, the that that goes so unnoticed and it's like there is so much shifting that is happening on a day-to-day basis so i just want to i i can imagine that that is a lot right now um but yes so i i planned to see a strange loop we my husband and i also planned to see um the britney spears musical once upon a one more time (laughs) so it's just it was an interesting trip to dc because it was like we were seeing what felt like was going to be this super serious work and we were you know we sort of had expectations leading up to seeing both of the shows and and were surprised in in multiple ways seeing both pieces but I did see the show um I did make the trip to DC knowing that I would be interviewing him and I wanted to interviewing Michael uh, R Jackson mm-hmm. and to just have as much information about it as possible and and understand what what this is this Pulitzer prize winning piece of of uh theater um and and you know i i i the michael is so like awesome and our conversation was casual and and really um you know there was something about it that just felt like we were just two people chatting um, yeah. Even though there is this underlying importance to what's happening, it almost felt like he didn't even know what impact he had and or is going to have, right? Like, they just announced this past week um, the, the specific Broadway dates. It's, like, coming to Broadway early April. Um, you know, the new the specific cast, which a lot of them are coming from the Woolly Mammoth production, Um yeah, it just sort of was, it's like, this work is important, this this person is important, um, and here we are sitting across from each other just chatting about soap operas and... Um, <laughs> and Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote, right? It's like, there's something that that was a lesson to me in, um, you know, we celebritize, we hold these people on, on pedestals, and in reality... They're just people, you know, part of the function of this particular piece is that it is um, an expression of self. It is an expression of the self that, you know, he was in um, a previous uh, 
year, previous years. Like that, that is the, mm -hmm. that is the crux of the piece. And um, so it's just interesting to be in the presence of this person and to have the opportunity to have these, these chats. Um, and I would, I would recommend to, to our audience, if you ever get the chance to speak to a Pulitzer Prize winner, you should say yes. <laughs> Yeah, you should do that. Well, that's amazing. So I saw no live theater over the break, none at all. Um, but I did see the West Side Story movie, uh, which was like the first time I was in a movie theater in a really, really, really long time. Um, but I, I had to see it. I was desperate to see what they changed. They changed way more than I realized, mm -hmm. than I thought, which was very interesting. And then uh, it's not totally musical theater, but uh, my my daughter and my son have shifted focus from Frozen to Encanto. So Encanto, we have probably seen now a hundred times. I mean, that might be an exaggeration. It might not be an exaggeration. It really has been on repeat. Um, my 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 two year old, my almost two year old, is obsessed with "We Don't Talk About Bruno." Like that song is on a constant loop on our Alexa system, um, and I, you know, I've seen it now uh, several times. The first time I saw Encanto, I I liked it a lot, but as I've seen it more and more, I've actually been kind of. It's been a long time since I've really gotten obsessive about a musical just because my life doesn't permit it. But like in the old days mm -hmm. <laughs> when, I, when I had time and energy, you know, and I would listen to Rent, like the original cast album of Rent when it uh, first was released. Yes, I'm that old. Um, you know, I knew every little nuance and that's what, that's the kind of the experience that I'm having within Encanto. And, and I got to say that the level of detail within the movie and the score is really impressive. I mean, they had me from the concept. I mean, we're talking about we're we're we've got a Disney movie, a mainstream Disney movie about a group of uh, people from the global majority who are immigrating from South America to make a better life for their children. Yes. You, you got me. <laughs> and we're glorifying and loving and celebrating them. And that's just phenomenal to me. Um, and the score is really fun. Every song is an earworm. I've thoroughly, uh, you know, it. I'm sure I'm going to get annoyed with it at some point just because of the way that the toddler brain works and we're going to have to keep listening to it. But I haven't gotten sick of it yet, which is kind of bonkers because I definitely got sick of Frozen. So what did you think of the West Side movie? We, we texted a little bit about it, but what, what was your two yeah, cents on that? I, I enjoyed it. I do understand. I, I sort of saw both sides where people were like, wow, they, they completely changed it. I don't know if it's my thing. And I also understood. It, it, I, I enjoyed the new elements yeah. of it. The, the thing yeah. uh, that I most enjoyed, I've played the role of Bernardo a couple times. I've been in West Side Story more than any other show. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, and so it was just fun to learn that Bernardo is a boxer, right? Like that is, yeah. or even has a last name. Like that was right. decided in this production. It's like, oh, that is amazing. That makes so much of this makes so much sense. Um, so I, I, I love those little details as a, as a longtime fan of the, of the show. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you think? What, what did you, you know? I, I, there were things that I loved. There were things that um, I didn't love as much. You know, one of the things I, I, you and I have talked about this before, but I'm not sure if it's on, we, we talked about on the podcast or not. But I, I always struggle 
when there is an adaptation of a musical to film and things are, are changed. And it's not because I always think the changes are wrong or bad, but because I'm a musical theater person and I know the source material, what I start, and I'm also a director, mm-hmm. I start thinking, oh, huh, I wonder why they changed that. And then I like go through this whole thing about debating whether or not it was a good change and a bad change. And next thing I know, it's five or 10 minutes later in the movie. And I'm like, uh-oh, I missed all that stuff. So like, you know, in the, 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 the film version of In the Heights, you know, uh, Nina didn't have a mom. Nina's mom had passed away. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why they did that when ultimately it didn't really matter why they made the decision. I should have just been going along on the journey. Um, so, uh, you know, I struggled with trying. I, I, I have become self-aware enough now that I know that I do that. And I went into Westside going, try not to do that. <laughs> I did it a little bit. I really didn't enjoy what they did with the song Cool. Uh, and the whole, I kept calling it the gun ballet. They were like tossing this gun around and jumping over the poles with the gun. I didn't understand that at all. But um, I, I know there is controversy surrounding the actor mm-hmm. who played Tony. Um, and I, you know, that's, that's out there. But I did think that Tony and Maria, those were two really, really strong performances of those roles. I, I, I absolutely went on the journey with them mm-hmm. in a way that I, I, I haven't always in the past. There's something about West Side, the score of West Side. There's a, there's a handful of musicals that do this. Carousel is this way, too, for me. But the music itself, there is something so stirring, emotionally stirring about the score that, like, as soon as it starts playing... I have goosebumps and I'm, I'm on the edge of tears without before anybody even does anything. I just think those 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 the, that score is so well written. And then I have my own. I've never been in the show, but I do have my own personal story with it. It's it's uh, um, it was a favorite. The movie, the original film, was a favorite of my mom's growing up. She's not she's not like musical theater, but it's like one musical that she knows all of the words to. Oh, hi, mom, by the way. She totally listens to our podcast. She's one of our listeners for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, and we went to see it at a pretty formative moment in my own personal life, like when I was starting high school and stuff. And and so, like, of course, that's all layered into the experience that I have when I hear those, you know, uh, all of that. so I, I liked I liked Tony I liked Maria I, I I thought some of the changes I I loved the 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 layers of backstory that so many people got I I really thought they did a good job of um, how to uh, I the the new Chino mm-hmm. was interesting to me because uh, and I struggled with it I spent a lot of time thinking about it kind of like I said it was one of the things I got stuck on but I like that. You know, so, so one of the flaws or problematic parts of West Side Story and the way that it was originally created was it almost feels like all of the sharks uh, are bad and and um, uh, tough and they don't have a lot of redeeming uh, kindness or qualities or whatnot. Um, and I liked that Chino wasn't just a a bad guy. I liked that. You know, he, he ended up being a part of the sharks and what they were doing, but it was out of obligation and, and family and, and, you know, protection. And, um, I thought that that was really interesting. Um, and I thought that 
the way that the opening sort of set up the the shift in the neighborhood that the jets were experiencing like you know i think i i recall a moment of of like a, an Irish pub sign being taken down and 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 something Puerto Rican I don't remember exactly what it was but going up and and I felt like that really helped load the story you know the actor packing that the, that they did I, I thought that was interesting too um, yeah we had a unique a, a, a really unique experience which was the first time we attempted to see it um, just before the song America which uh, Ariana DeBose is incredible, like yeah. full stop. But we were um, asked to evacuate. Alarms were going off. They completely stopped the film. No one was allowed back in. I don't. I still don't even know what happened on that night. Um, but like, it literally was like, great, you're you're leaving, you're exiting. Um, so we actually were we got tickets uh, to see the show again because I was just like, I want to experience this in the in the. Um, in the movie theater and watched the beginning half of the movie again, which I rarely do. I rarely see in the theater a film multiple times, but Mm. um, to see it once more, it was like, oh, this really is brilliant. There's a lot of really tiny, brilliant details in here that, um, that just serve the story better and, and serve the, um, serve the needs of the play. Um, one interesting thing that I, I noticed was that they didn't provide translation for the Spanish. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that that was brilliant. I heard, um, I guess it's Steven Spielberg talk about it, but that that the idea is to um, equalize, right? We're not, we're not translating um, so that it somehow makes the Spanish language the other it makes it the mm-hmm. outside um yep. but we are on equal footing in not understanding or understanding whatever either yeah, side is said. i that stood out to me too i hadn't heard him talk about it but that may that that's exactly what i thought they were doing and it, i found it very effective yeah what did you think of the what they did with the doc character and 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 Rita in that role and specifically also an extension of that is the moment where she sang uh, somewhere. Um, I, I'm curious as somebody who's worked on the show as much as you have, what, what was your take on that? I mean, I just I accept all of it. I I think mm. I think um, she is such a legend that it makes it just makes sense to include her in the the process i believe she is listed as a producer on the project as well Um, and then also to find a space for her in this and right and it it feels just like an a natural evolution of this piece however surprising um yeah right like why not um i do i like that the owner of this space that is meant to be um, somehow neutral territory um, in the musical. Um, it, it has also this tenuous energy behind it that that it was Doc and this is Valentina and she is, it just sort of also feels like, okay, this is a place where um, it feels liminal. It feels like we're in between. It feels like... Um, at any point, the Jets could come here and 
do something or at any point the sharks could come here and do something i I don't know i i enjoyed the concept of it and i think it 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 helps bring in new audiences to something it feels like it updates the whole thing Hmm. yeah so it's so interesting so if it hadn't been rita Mm -hmm. or cheetah i suppose uh it either one the the way that casting that role with with re, that particular actress mm-hmm. i thought it it what it did for me was it highlighted where we are right now as a as a culture as a as a you know civilization and how we haven't really gotten as far as we thought we would have when the original film was made like the her singing somewhere now it's like it was a really poignant comment on the last, you know, five years in particular. Um, and I don't want to get too political because as we're talking about musical theater education on our podcast. But, you know, it's uh, I thought it was a really interesting statement at how far we have not come when it comes to uh, the acceptance of those who have a different I, cultural identity mm-hmm. than we, we do. Um, and I thought that part of it was really powerful. The The only thing that I struggled now, I'm getting into the weeds now. Yeah, as like a, my, the director weeds here. Um, the only thing I struggled with was what that did was the moment at the end of the show when Tony's in the basement and all of the Jets are hanging out uh, to protect him, it didn't feel authentic to me for these these jets who had just witnessed the murder of uh, their friend and have this profound, these profound feelings towards the sharks that they, regardless of where Tony was, that they would just hang out so comfortably in a place that was being run by uh, a, a Puerto Rican woman. Um, that part, I was like, I, I couldn't get past it. And then that, that I don't know, but what are, what are your thoughts yeah, on I, that? I think that's, I mean, I sort of mentioned it, like it is, and maybe it's just in the original script, but that is uh, neutral territory, right? In this right. in this adaptation, they have that conversation about the rumble in the bathroom at the gym, which actually makes so much sense. Like, if there's a world where we could make any change to the original stage version, like that would be a change I would totally make because yeah. it just it just sort of makes sense. You're let's have a conversation, let's have it here versus hey, <laughs> let's have it in neutral territory. So, I think just knowing the show as well as I do, it is a space that that belongs to no one. It is like a a place where these kinds of meetings could happen, I think. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, home base, I guess. It's like home base, neutral. This is this is where Tony works, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I hear you. I hear you. It is one <laughs> of those things. You start asking those questions, and then you can't see past it, right? You're like... That's my problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get that. I, and... You know, I think I'm sure there's there are people who are like, why did we need to remake this? And mm-hmm. I think then it points to examples like the one you just brought up about about the song being sung and by it being her that it's like, no, there really is this next evolution of this. Like, yeah, there comes a point where this really 
could potentially be seen as the best version mm. of this piece and and the one that we that will be remembered and that will mm-hmm. you know which is hard um for people who um um embrace tradition and want to honor the Jerome Robbins choreography and want to write like I totally get it and you know this version also totally has a space and makes sense and I I literally went into it open-minded but with a little bit of a why do we need another West Side Story in in my heart mm-hmm. but it was and I mean I was still emotional as soon as it started I still went on the journey and it was the moment that Rita sang that I said that's why we need it yeah. at this moment. I mean, that to, for me was really powerful. Um, so we're looking forward to the semester. This is the first week of classes. Talk to me about the, you know, what does this semester have for you? You're in a very new position. You're in a new town, uh, city. Um, what, 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 are, what are the things that are coming up for you as you're looking forward to this, this semester and, and what you have in store? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, this is a new job. I, I, for those of you who have been following along, um, I was initially <laughs> hired as the program director of musical theater um, at University of the Arts and was immediately promoted to the interim dean position. I'm emphasizing the word interim as I speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, part of that decision was about um, really... C- my commitment to the students and my commitment to the university that just was in line with my saying, I am all in, like I'm all in to do this. And, and if, if this is the way that I can serve the community and the university best, then great, let's make it happen. It also is in line with my, um, sort of administrative associate artistic director energy. It's sort of the right thing for many reasons. Um, so the first, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's like the emoji that's like question mark. Like there are so, (laughs) there are so many things that are new that, that I am in a space of like investigation. I'm in a space of like asking questions of learning about, about the way things are going. Um, and also simultaneously, um, enacting policies that like are beneficial or helpful to the, the community at large that really truly serve the students. Um, so some fun, exciting things for me have been um, curricular changes that are that were already, you know, on their way and really taking those, pushing those further, um, inviting special guests to come and work with students in both workshop and um, in-class st- studio experiences. And then, um, you know, my own discovery of the amazing things that Philadelphia specifically has to offer um, and finding specific ways for us to find partnerships. Um, so that's, I mean, that's where I am. Um, I, I want, uh, I will not be teaching this semester, but will going forward, will have some classes that I'll, I'll be taking on. But this semester is just about putting the pants on one like <laughs> and has it been announced who is going to be the musical theater program coordinator since you were hired in that position and then immediately put in as interim dean yes it has um so you know i could not think of it. one of my first tasks like here you are your interim dean one of my first tasks was to 
um, find your replacement. You know, who who is the person who I was like, great, excellent. Um, and I could not think of uh, anyone more right for it than the incomparable Jacob Brent. So he. Oh my! So I'm sure it was his interview on this podcast that that you know sealed the took deal, it over right? the edge. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, you know in many ways. Um, yeah, so he will he will be the interim program director for musical theater. But in many ways, we you know we went to grad school together. We have um, just similar aesthetics, and you know we've worked together on various projects. And and there are important decisions, important things that are happening right now that that truly will take a team to make happen. And and. So it really was looking for that that team member that that yeah. you know um, we finish each other's sandwiches like <laughs> right so we're 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 working together to make um, some lasting change um, in many different ways. And so uh, since you're the interim dean, he's the interim program director. But is it a is it the position permanent? Will he be at this, I mean, is or or is he looking for another job? When I don't, you know, I mean, that might be a little too early to call, like it, exactly what that is. But um, you know, we are one of the things. I'm not sure how if this is the same at Chico State. Is you know, there have been many retirements. Yeah, there have there has been so much transition and so much quick transition that we are just now in this moment beginning to to fill these spaces right so yeah um the long story short is i believe that we will both be here for <laughs> for a while. a while um so does uh it's university of the arts is the f- full title right okay That's right. um it does does the university of the arts does the musical theater program there have a specific um, style of acting that you teach in the acting classes. I mean, is it a, a Meisner school? Is it Stanislavski? Like, what? Which? Uh, how, how? What is that process? What is that I all about? I love this. Um, it, so it's interesting. Our musical theater students take the same acting classes that mm-hmm. the acting students take. There are four, like, uh, programs: acting, musical theater, design, technology. And then what we call DPP, um, directing, playwriting, production, like okay. that is its its own separate thing, and um, and so they are students are exposed to Meisner, to Stanislavski. Um, it is also maybe a little different from other programs in that it really is much more of a conservatory style mm. training. Um, so it is somewhat geared more toward those that are interested in entering like the professional space kind of right out of school um which just shifts a lot of things because we are not only working on um these various styles of acting but also like really paying attention to what's happening right now uh in on broadway in regional theaters in the theater space in a way that Mm -hmm is pretty special to where we are. Um, but what, what's your Yeah, so um, our, our freshmen 
you know, they start with basic Stanislavski, you know, beats, objectives, obstacles, tactics, all, all of that. Then they get a, we don't specialize in anything. We're not like a this school or a that school. We dive a little bit into some after, after the basics. We go, in a, we do a little and Bogart stuff. We do a little bit of Meisner stuff. Um, I use the Joe and Rocco's book, Acting for Musical Theater, in my musical theater acting class, which is basically, you know, they take the basic acting principles and the basic music principles and put them together. Um, so, yeah, but we're not, we're not a conservative. We're BFA, but, you know, very much rooted in the liberal arts history so we, uh, of the university. So we, we get a little bit of, a, uh, of everything. And I'm always interested to hear... Um, two things. I'm always interested to hear if, if there, if there are, uh, programs that really go one way, like, you know, we're a Meisner school kind of thing. Um, and I'm also interested to hear, cause this is going to be my follow-up question. And because you were talking about curriculum and changes that you're making, how much acting just period acting you, uh, students get and how much like acting for musical theater, like the acting a song class uh, people uh, have at their school. So how much of, uh, is is there a class that's like acting a song or musical theater styles or anything, anything like that? So, yeah, um, it, is a, it is a pretty full out curriculum. Right now, students right. take something like six semesters of like, acting classes specifically um and seven or even eight semesters of the musical theater performance or the you know that song um studio kind of class and there is a progression so it begins with basics um it begins with like being right being in a space and and doing the thing and then we add on um on top of it so students are taking these classes simultaneously um, some of those edits to the curriculum are in regards to this, like actually being a little bit more mindful uh, and deliberate about where those acting classes fall towards where the specific musical theater styles class classes fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's pretty equivalent, like it's pretty is- equal. Is the styles class uh, or the the acting a song class or whatever it is that you you all call it, is it uh, solo work only? And is it so you're saying you take that they students take that every semester? Yeah, students take um, what we call MTP musical theater performance. And just, if you can imagine musical theater performance, and then there's like a colon, and then there's like some word that follows it. You know, it, whether it's foundations uh, got or it. whether okay. it's solos, whether it's duets and you know and and right so like following or even considering covid protocols we are right. pretty pretty um uh i guess the word is conservative like we are masked up at all moments even when singing um which is a large conversation happening amongst many musical theater educators um yep. but that does affect how what a, a, a duet looks like, what staging a, a group scene even looks like. Um, so some of that is affected by the current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about you? So 
in my undergrad, I got my, you know, my BFA I got uh, from Cincinnati. Uh, we had what was called their vocal coaching, which felt like it wasn't voice lessons and it wasn't acting class. It was that area in between. It was taught by the music director. So, you know, it the, the acting terminology didn't always line up with what we were learning in acting, which I think was a little bit of a flaw the, of the program at the time. You know, it's, uh, this is many, many years ago. Um, and there was four students in a class, and we worked on solos all eight semesters. My styles class here, fortunately, I only get them for a semester, uh, and it's the whole co- cohort. And um, I, unlike my experience, it's not because I only get them one semester. They get it their junior year where they've had the basic – They've had voice lessons then for four semesters. They've had acting for four semesters. They've already taken music theory. And the idea is all of those things are merging together and we're doing them at the same time. Um, I like that part of it, but I would like to have longer than a semester. I, so somewhere in between what I experienced as a student and then what I uh, you know, inherited uh, as a curriculum here, I think is, is what I'd like to do because what I, what I don't have time for, and this is a whole another podcast, I think a subject at, at one point I have time in one semester, I have time to work on fundamentals, singing musical theater songs, acts, acting, I should say acting musical theater songs, but I don't have the opportunity in that class to apply those principles to songs not from the musical theater canon, which, as we know, um, is happening more and more on Broadway. Plus, you know, actors are asked to sing non-musical theater songs all the time. So that is a missing part of the curriculum. I talk about it to my students all the time. Like, what do you think we need more of? And they're like, we think we need to sing, you know, this, this, and this, you know, pop, rock, all of all of the above, R and B, and I say yes, yes, you're right. We need it. <laughs> I'm working. You on are it. correct. You yeah, are I'm, correct. <laughs> I mean, it, in this institution, in my previous institution, we had exactly this a semester of that because, to me, any you know, just if we're thinking about Broadway specifically, any show I could think of, currently running, like would require a pop or rock song, and it does. Right. It is that is the industry that's sort of what I was talking about like that is not that's not something that should be a surprise when students are interested in jumping right into uh, auditioning in a large market like this is these are the shows that are happening that are that are touring and you could draw a direct line to something like Jagged Little Pill to Alanis or you know Hamilton to all of the artists that inspired that right so right. that, that is exactly right in order to, that is the conversation, I think. All right. Well, I need you to write a letter to my dean from you, dean, uh, to tell them I need to add that class. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> so um, I don't know. Is, was there anything else you wanted to touch base on? I do have a recommendation I was excited to share. Please, I, I, would, I would love your recommendation. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I mean, the idea of doing this particular podcast was just mm-hmm. a chance for us to catch up, which is so good, and to also build excitement about some of the guests that we know we have coming on. So oh, um, yeah. my, my recommendation is that you go back and listen to some of our episodes from semester one and that you... Uh, like, follow, and um, subscribe, and listen to all of the amazing guests that we have 
coming up. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really fun semester too. We're we're changing some of the format of of the uh, the, the way that we've interviewed people in the past, which will be interesting to mix it up and. You know, we're going to do a few more. We've talked about doing a few more of these one-on-one just check-in sessions because there is so much to talk about. And so uh, uh, if we're really building a community of sharing, we have to continue to share, right? So um, so here's my recommendation. I, I found it at the beginning of the break, and I binged the whole season, which is not like me at all. Is a musical theater podcast called My Favorite Flop. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they do is they go through the uh, famous flops of um, in in Broadway history uh, and a couple off Broadway things, and they just they talk about what the show is, they talk about how it was created, they talk about the climate that it was originally produced in, and whether or not that affected its uh, uh, lack of success. Um, you know, there are books and things that cover these types of things. The famous one, uh, what, Not Since Carrie, is that what it's called? Some, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but but they, they'll spend a whole podcast talking about one musical. Towards the end of the first season, which they just completed, they're on a hiatus right now, um, they they started to experiment and do like two epi- two two shows per episode. They did like uh, uh, Dracula and um, uh, Lestat in the same uh, same episode. Like compare the two, and you know, as a musical theater historian, I will say I'm saying this lovingly. They get about ninety to ninety five percent of their information right. Uh, we all say something that other people go what, but. Um, I, I thoroughly have enjoyed it, and it is not like me to binge anything musical theater when I'm not working. So um, I, I, would, I would recommend it, if for no other reason, uh, that it's, it's, uh, they're, they're fun, quirky hosts, and the material that they cover, I think, is really, is really quite interesting. So that's, that's my recommendation. My favorite flop. I love it. I love it. I'm going yeah. it's, to... It's that thing where we joke about having, you know, no time to do things right. Right. um but but that is the kind of thing that i think i would listen to yeah 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 for sure yeah it's fun um so let me let me know what you think when you've when you've when you've heard it so um anything else we want to wrap up with gosh i don't think so it feels this is good it feels good to connect like truly it, it really does i'm like oh this is really nice um and yeah i i hope that we can um add other voices as we're going right so if you are listening to this and and you're interested in reaching out and having a conversation coming on the podcast or throwing a question out please do yeah yeah dm us on instagram or email us at carefully taught podcast at gmail um and we are we'd love to hear uh from y'all like what what do you want us to talk about who do you think we should invite onto the podcast 100 percent. very excited to continue to engage with with our listeners amazing awesome see you all next right. time all right or good times Music for Carefully Taught was provided by Joshua Haig. For more information, visit joshuahaigmusic.com.